You awake? I am. Yeah. I am. I am. All right. Let's get going. This episode of the Iconic Podcast is always brought to you and sponsored by Iconic Clothing Company. Luke, we've been talking about the Vince Young shirt for a really long time. Almost as long as since the last Rose Bowl of the 06 Rose Bowl. It feels like it. And we were we were super hyping it the whole time. Then there were a couple snags with the printing company. Couldn't get them out in time. Well, well, there are no more problems. Everything works itself out. Because the shirt is on my back as we speak. Okay, we, we figure it out here at Iconic Clothing Co. We took care of business, and that's what matters most. So the shirt is available. The shirt is out. And we've got even more stuff coming out that might be even bigger and better. Yeah, shout out to Colin Murphy, the first uh, Vince Young sale in Austin, Texas. I uh, saw that. A good, a good buddy of mine from back home. We grew up loving Vince Young, and uh, his brother actually went to UT Austin. So, and he got a job in UT Austin now too. So I think they're both down there now. But yeah, he hit us up right away. He saw the Instagram. <laughs> I think that what that Instagram that Vince commented on. Yeah. Um. That I I think I posted after the uh they beat USC Texas beat USC caught this some year. people's attention and, and I mean we've got a thousand likes on it. Vince Young liked it. I mean if we got the approval from number ten himself, yeah. that's that's when you know it's uh, everything. The OGVY. Yeah, come on, exactly. come on. So in like ten minutes we've got Jaybird coming on. Jaybird's gonna be coming on the line. The four is this four? This or five? might be four time. This might be time number four. I think this is actually five because we said four. Wow. He was the first four timer. Wow. So We're going to have to go double check. We'll, we'll I, have I to double is, check. I think I'm pretty sure it's five. Either way, this is our go to guy. And the guy. It was a big week for him. Huge. This is as good as it gets for, for uh, uh, you know, the AP journalists, the big J guys out there who grind through the MLB season. Yeah. And he followed the correct guy all year to write a book about, for sure. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And I, just as reversely, Jaybird, Jaybird's relationship with Shohei was just as important for Shohei as it was for Jaybird. Interesting. I'll be I'll be interested to ask him a few questions yeah. about that for sure. Just kind of the so whole. So that will be yeah. neat. But while we're while we're kind of killing time here, there's been some topics that we hinted at at the past that we can just give a little. Little brief updates. Yeah, we haven't been we haven't been on the mic since Alec Lewis. Really, you know, we had the UFC. Oh MMA yeah, we did, but we didn't we didn't touch on anything that we normally do in our regular podcasts. So it's been a few weeks, especially for college football and more specifically Mizzou. Football. Yeah, lots been going on. Uh, we lost to Kentucky, as everyone listening to this knows. Yeah, in the most brutal way. It was my first game since my freshman year. Since uh, Nick Chubb ran all over the Missouri Tigers in 2014, and we lost 34 to nothing. Go back my senior year, my last game at Mizzou as a student, and to lose in that fashion, oh, yeah, oh. and and it hurts probably more by what they did the following oh, yeah. weeks. <laughs> exactly, you know, because the moment that you go to Florida. And you beat Florida. You think your season's over right before the build up to Florida, and then handle Florida, undress, smack them, undress. Oh, them. it was a spanking. It was an absolute spanking beat down at the all, swamp. Beat them in all phases. Then you take care of Vanderbilt, and probably was a little closer than comfort would allow. <laughs> we did it the Mizzou way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. 
the, the Mizzou way. There's we, the Missouri method yeah. in the journalism school. They preach this this <laughs> so concept good. of learning by doing. So in class, rather than a teacher teaching you how to do it, they say, all right, go do it. We'll tell you what you did wrong. Go out in the real world, make mistakes, that sort of thing. Barry's doing the Missouri method for Missouri yeah, football. They, that's the Missouri way. Make as many mistakes as possible. Leave the game down to the last final play of the game for the yeah. opposing team's offense, and then hope that a a pass interference doesn't get called, and b swat the ball down. And lucky to have that the ladder against Vanderbilt. Last it's week. freaking dope. Okay, back to back up six four. Like six it's and four. awesome. And you look at the whole schedule. I mean, six and four, two and four in conference. Yeah, yeah you know. But now, now everyone's doing it. Yeah, as we, the as what they if game. As the they what should, if game you can't do it. Kills me, dude. Absolutely kills me to say, oh, if if we had beaten Kentucky, oh, if that South Carolina game wasn't so bizarre. They, th- I personally, I think you can go that way, especially with this team, because it's just so uh, third and two against Kentucky. We don't run the ball. We're shooting ourselves in the foot there. We have yeah. the monsoon comes against South Carolina in the third quarter, and we don't look like a football team. All the things I'm talking about right now come down to coaching. And obviously, Barry's seat has been pretty warm here in Columbia yeah. for the past three weeks. I think he's bought himself a little bit more of time. Um, just asking people around town, you know, is 9-4 and four a good season? Say we went on our regular season, go 8-4, and four, yeah. and then we win our bowl game. Is that is that a... Improvement is that a better season? Can you look at nine and four and be like, you know what? I'm not going to play the what if game. It is what it is. I don't think any. I think seventy percent of the people are going to look at nine and Say four and be like, if. we should be th- we should be eleven and two. It doesn't help that Vegas now comes out with their own rankings. I know, and, and they Vegas put us at seventeen, 17 in the country. Oh, because now now the what if apologists. Oh. Are out there saying, well, you know, look, Vegas thinks we should be 17. Drew Locke said we were the best, what, five and four team at the after, time, after yeah. Florida. So I, even we are, our, our own players are playing the what if game a little bit. I mean, you can't do that, but six and four right now, I think I'm content. I'm not content how we got to six and four, but yeah. the fact that we battled back, we could have let a lot of these games go. Relati- relatively content is a good way to be. At this point, I think. Especially with Missouri football, especially year three in the Barry Odom experience. It's a fair stance. It's a fair stance to hold. Now, Mizzou hoops on the other side. It's early, so we, we don't need Super to go early, yeah. crazy by any means. I think their first – today's Friday, Friday morning, so we play Kennesaw. All the, all the, the Mizzou tonight. boys are out traveling, having a good time. They're – Taking boat trips right now. I'm not. I don't even know where they are. Is it Florida? Oh, Paradise Jam. Um, you could look it up. Yeah, I could. I think it's in the Dominican. I want to say. But yeah, no, they're they're enjoying themselves. They're it's having. Till, it till, looks like they're till, having till, a very, till getting very, his glow on in the at sun. the uh, the Virgin Islands. Okay, that's what it is. I should have known that. No, but you you always see that tournament every year on ESPN. That, early like the, the one that's like those guys are playing like outside or something. It's like it's yeah, kind of one of those throwaway Thanksgiving tournaments. I that's think we're the, we might be the best team in that tournament, but we should win that. Yeah, hopefully I'd, I'd we like take to care see of it. So, they're, they're super young. One and one though on the season. Mm-hmm. People are excited about Tilly. Yeah, which is which is cool. 
Um, I think I think the good way of looking at this season is just be excited about the young guys. A lot of these guys are going to be here for two, three, maybe yeah. four years. And so it's other not, than KP, like KP and Geist, you know, the guys yeah, okay. who have been here for previous years outside of those guys that this is their last year. This is a super young team that Conzo Martin's working with. And he's got talent coming in the next few years. Mario McKinney's showing up next year and they've got good young guards. Uh, Mark Smith is a marksman. Yeah. I mean, good Lord. If yeah, he's going to shoot like this all year, feed him the rock. Which I don't know if it will happen. Yeah. I don't know if he's he, going to he, shoot isn't that known well. For, but he, he, he can be a go-to scorer. That's what he's showing us right now. I would love to get an update from Evansville. Yeah, what the hell? I, I, what the hell? It's really frustrating. Why, so, why be a dick? You might be able to explain it a little bit better than I can, but Evansville had a player... Drew Smith. Yes. Who wanted to transfer after the coach got fired, let go, or left. Correct. So he wanted to transfer. And the only thing he needs to play this year, rules-wise, is a signature from the athletic director at Evansville, right? And the coach. Yeah, the coach basically has to sign off, and he can play. Uh, it's called a transfer grad transfer they're not grad transfer uh they just clear them so most of the time you have to sit out a year um but now they're they're letting players kind of transfer and play right away and drew smith did not get said signature mark smith did now think about this illinois who let's flash back to christmas break last year we play illinois and mark smith beats us mizzou yeah in the the rivalry game between Illinois and Missouri. Yeah. These are two rivals, historic rivals. Mark Smith transfers to Mizzou, and Illinois grants him his wish. Go ahead, play Mark. We wish you nothing but the best. See you December 18th, whenever we play them. So for Illinois to do that, a rival. Yeah. But Evansville? We're not playing Evansville any time in the next 10 years. Irrelevant. The next 10 years, I, I guarantee you, if we ever play – Evansville during the Conzo Martin oh, era. Oh, it'll be a slaughtering. We're gonna trap and press for forty minutes. Oh, it's gonna be a massacre. We're gonna, there are gonna be some hard fouls for sure. There's I, gonna I be don't blood understand. left what, on what, that court. What, what like ego do you have to have as a as a college basketball coach to not let a kid who's just trying to get some playing time somewhere else have to sit out a full year? And we could use Drew Smith. Drew Smith's a very talented player, and would just add it to the depth. I like that this team has a lot of players that Conzo can work with. I'd like to get him. I'd like to see him get creative with these lineups have a lot of guards maybe four guard lineup with tilly and just spread it out and see if you can get him a little bit of space inside but yeah it's super early to be worrying about those things all right so this is episode 14 of the iconic podcast coming up next jaybird four-timer baby four-timer five-timer we'll have to we'll figure it out jaybird next on the show anytime But you can't forget from sundown to sunset nah, nah. It's all in the air, you hear it everywhere No matter what you do, it's gonna grab a hold on you Grab a hold on you 
Jaybird, how we doing, champ? Hey, what's up there, Bo Nodes? You doing all right? Yeah, we're doing all right. It's the, uh, it's the final day of classes before I can head back to heavenly Encinitas, California. All right, when you when you getting back? Uh, I'll be back Saturday morning. I'm going to come back right as uh, Mizzou's entering halftime. Um, so, Jaber, this is a big week for you, buddy. Let's talk about Shohei a little bit. You know, you've been covering him the whole year. Your book, you know, on Shohei is coming out this year. And, well, 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 all of a sudden he's the AL Rookie of the Year. Hey, you know, if you know baseball, you could see that coming back in spring training. And isn't that a lot? <laughs> Uh, you you got to remember when Shohei showed up over here, uh, there were a lot of questions about him. Uh, yes, he played five years in Japan. Yes, he was a three-time All-Star. Uh, yes, he led the Ham Fighters to the Japanese uh, series, their title. But when he got to Tempe, Arizona, as the Angels at Tempe Diablo Stadium, he was terrible. He had a 27 ERA. He hit 125 against uh, minor league pitchers. A lot of his pitching appearances came on the backfield against uh, – B teams, if you will. So people really didn't know what to expect. Yes, they appreciated his talents. Yes, it was obvious to see this was a gifted player. But as you know, it's a long time. It's a long way from the uh, driving range to the first tee sometimes. And a lot of people just weren't sure what to expect with Shohei. And boy, when the season started, he turned it on. And it was a uh, it was an incredible ride. Not all up. There were ups and downs along the ways. But it was a an incredible rookie journey for a, a young man uh, being introduced to a new culture, new language, new league, new pitchers, and new batters. Uh, I think he showed pretty well. Jaber, can you do me a favor and explain something to me? Because I'm I'm not exactly sure how you and Shohei kind of got so close. It, it reminds me of when, when Puig was making his run as a rookie with the Dodgers. Even, even then, you were – really tight with him and, and he knew who you were and enjoyed answering questions for you. And despite the language barrier with both of them, you've seemed to perform, uh, to create a strong relationship with both of them. I, I think it speaks to the, the international language of baseball. And once that you have that as your uh, ground floor, if you will, and, and you both uh, two people show an appreciation and love for the grand game, it, it opens up a lot, a lot of different avenues. Uh, you know, Shohei, you heard that name really going back to 2012 when there was this high school kid in northern Japan throwing the ball 99 miles an hour. And, oh, by the way, he's hitting the ball 400 feet. And can we add, he gets down to first base in under four seconds. I mean, that's all plus, plus, plus. So, uh, you, you know, you heard about him and then tracked him a little in the Japan leagues. And I don't know if it was that cool name, Shohei Otani, or just what he was doing, but kind of latched onto him and, and uh, being here in San Diego, the San Diego Padres, and no team was on Shohei more than uh, A.J. Preller and the Padres, uh, the Ham Fighters, and Shohei trained with the Padres out in uh, Peoria, Arizona, the last two years. Hideo Nomo, the great Japanese pitcher, is part of the scouting staff for the Padres. Uh, they uh, added uh, quite a few Japanese-speaking uh, trainers and uh, other executives to their to their front office in their bid for Shohei. So. Shohei was always that uh, that bright, shiny object out there, and he just never knew where he was going to land, uh, that he landed with the Angels, a team I grew up with and riding my bike to Angel games when I was a kid. 
uh, it was kind of cool to see him coming back to a team I was I originally rooted for and uh, how it was going to all turn out. But again, when he was introduced to that press conference in December to the Angel fans out in front of the Big A, about half of them knew who the heck he was or how to say his name. I mean, he was this guy with all these credentials, but he certainly hadn't had proved it at the major league level. So there was a, a heavy dose of skepticism, skepticism with, with Shohei. And, uh, you know, he, he answered the call. I mean, for what he did his rookie year with, you know, 50, 60 Japanese media people, you know, tracking every move, every twitch, every time he reached for a bat. I mean, there was a lot on this kid. And we got to remember he's 23, 24 years old. And uh, I think he handled himself so well on the field. But off the field, he was an incredibly uh, appreciative teammate. And, and the Angels really rallied around him. They knew what he was going through. And they knew the demands. I mean, it's so hard to be a hitter in the major leagues. It is so hard to be a pitcher in the major leagues. And here's a kid who looks like he's never shaved, and he's doing both at an elite level. So it was a it was a fun ride, and, and I hope that that those stories come across in the book because it was a joy to write. If Shohei was able to do both in his rookie season, and now heading into his sophomore season, he won't be pitching. Do you expect him to maybe even excel more at the plate now? Now that his role is slightly diminished, and he can take a more focused approach. Absolutely. You got to remember, Shohei didn't pitch or didn't hit the day before or the day after he pitched. So, you know, he lost a lot of bats there. But I think what you got to look at is, is once the news was delivered, the heartbreaking news that he would have to undergo Tommy John surgery and not pitch next year, that day he went four for four with two home runs. I mean, that exact day. They told him that morning he was in the lineup that, that, that evening where other people would say, I'm done, guys, and, and wave and walk out of the clubhouse or. I'm too distraught to play. What was cool about Shohei and what I got to learn about him was his concern for others and his uh, graciousness and his uh, empathy. He was worried because of that bad news came down that there were a lot of long faces in the Angel Clubhouse. Everybody liked Shohei. So when they got this this news about him not being able to pitch next year, everybody was down. Everybody had their chin on their chest. Everybody felt bad. Shohei, Shohei said, he could feel those negative vibes. He wanted to give the guy something positive to think about. He goes out and goes four for four or two shots. In the whole month of September, he was one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball, hence him being named the American League Rookie Player of the Month, his second such designation, once in April, once in September, nice bookends. So I think, yes, will he be a better hitter yes, next year? I think so. He still hit 288 with 22 homers and 10 bags and 61 ribbies. A very, you know, about half the number of plate appearance. I think he's going to be a big force in the middle of that lineup. And hitting right behind Mike Trout, Trout Tani will be back next year. That's what the Angel fans call that part of the lineup, Trout Tani, because <laughs> you have the best player in the world in Mike Trout, please, seven years, top four MVP voting. Nobody's ever done that. And then I think you have the most talented player right behind him in Shohei Otani. That's a pretty good middle of your order. Damn. I might be riding the Angels bandwagon next year after that, right? I mean, <laughs> me, me, Big Phil, me, Big Phil, and Uncle Luke might have to take a couple train trips up to Anaheim and walk on over from the train station to catch some Angel games next year. 
it's electric, and it, it's not like any other game you go to. Uh, watch the, the games in the recent Japan series, Major League Baseball, when the Japanese teams are up, the band's playing. People are chanting. People are waving flags. They cannot get enough baseball. Angel games now are, are uh, filled with Asian fans. There's uh, Asian food now all throughout the ballpark. There are signs in Japanese. There is an influx of these Japanese uh, fans that are showing up to the game and, and really turning it more into a World Baseball Classic game than a American League in the uh, American League game in the middle of the week or something. It's an amazing transformation and it's fun. And there's an old uh, saying. When a good ball player comes up, you don't get up and go get a hot dog when you know Mike Trout's coming up. Well, now you don't get up and go get sushi when you see Shohei on deck. Jaybird, Jaybird, thank you so much, buddy. Really appreciate it. Last thing, the Daily Double Saloon is right around the corner here. You know, if everybody shows up, we'll be out in the street, which is fine, but uh, nothing like <laughs> the iconic uh, holiday happy hour where Past alumni include uh, Brad Office and Bud Black and Doc Roberts and Rod Laver and uh, Wally Joyner and, and guys like that. But, but those guys are just a sideshow. There's about 150 good people showing up to have some holiday cheer. Super casual. All Mizzou fans are welcome, of course. Daily Double Saloon in Encinitas, December 14th. If you make it, you'll love it. If you don't, that's on you. <laughs> Jaybird, thank you so much, buddy. We really appreciate the time. As always, once again, Jaybird Paris. Jaybird, take it easy, buddy. I'll see you soon. Hey, always good being on with you and Luke and uh, any Shohei fans out there. It's available on Amazon.com. And uh, we'll be on the MLB Network, the big boy, on December 17th, talking about Shohei as well. So uh, we're looking for some real big ratings out of Columbus, I'm telling you. I can can we just have him on every week? Sure. I mean, he's our LA sports guy at this point. Yeah, just West Coast representative. When I'm not there, he's like our boots on the ground. Yeah, he really is. He really takes care of uh, the entire LA sports scene, and uh, obviously following Otani all season, and writing mean, a book about him, and he's one of the more interesting characters in all of sports. Not let alone seriously, let alone baseball. I mean, this guy is really transcending culture in in Anaheim right now, and. When you do things that haven't been done since Babe Ruth in the game of baseball. He is such an, a unique dynamic to his MLB narrative right now. He's doing, so obviously the, the international aspect right. of the big question mark is these guys come over and can they play in the MLB? Right. Well, that one seemed kind of to be answered. Right away, almost. Very, like, very quickly. Not spring training or spring training aside. From game one of the MLB season, you could tell he, he belonged. Then you've got the language barrier and, you know, how he fits in the clubhouse. Which is such a big thing in baseball, too. It's just how, how do these— 162 games. You're on the road. You see, you see your teammates more than your family. And this guy is coming from Japan with all this hype around him. He's getting paid a lot of money. Some guys may feel a little, you know— I don't know what the word is, but maybe they think he's a little overrated. They don't know. They haven't seen him play. And obviously he comes in, He's as Jaybird has, has saw all year and, and talked about just then, um, that he brings a positive influence to that clubhouse. And and it looks like Mike Trout loves him, which if you're talking about a cornerstone franchise guy, he's got to coincide with, uh, with yeah. uh <laughs> Usually Mike when Trout. the greatest, yeah. potentially the greatest player of all time Likes, is on your team. Yeah. And likes is, you is in your ring is in yeah, your corner in, in your, your corner ring, yeah. in the ring. 
it's usually a pretty damn good thing right. to have uh, when you're going into battle. But it's crazy that Jaybird was the one to just pick out Shohei and understand that, oh, my God, this story could be crazy. Right. And that going on MLB Network tonight, I think, did he just say? I think he said. Uh, I thought he said December sixteenth. Oh, I thought. I mean, I was talking about the saloon. This this fourteenth. Oh, you know, what he might have been. Yeah. He's going tonight for yeah. MLB though. Mm-hmm. Is, he texted me. Uh, is MLB in the studios in Southern California? I don't think so. Or is he just calling in? He's probably calling in. Okay. I would guess he's calling in. He texted me uh, and Sleater actually saying that MLB hit him up. That's and awesome. So I knew. I had known a couple of days ago that he was going to be going on MLB uh, Network or whatever it was. But damn. And Jay he's got Bird. his book out now on Amazon, too, about the Otani's uh, story itself. I Just mean, year one. Yeah. And everything that goes into it from the probably the trade or the team selection to right. picking a home. Which this time last year was such a big deal. I mean, there oh. were so many teams in on him. So many a variety of teams in the MLB that were trying to get him. I know. Because of what he brings I to know. the table. I, I know all the teams he was considering. Look, your time is coming sooner than you think. It is. I hope so. I hope it so. It really is. You know, I, I, I feel for Ryan Cohen because he can, he can sense it. I think he can too. You know, the, the, the heart of Padres Twitter, I think they can sense it. All right, let, let's, let's roll to NBA. All right, do you want to go after the break here? Yeah, let's do it. Let's right. take a small break. We'll, we'll, we'll kick it gear into NBA. T-Boy, don't tizzy. TV. Now don't talk much, by the yeah. way. Yeah, uh-huh. Spokesman, what's really good, homie? Rock City. Not pretty. Woo! Open up that sunroof right quick, though. Yeah. I need to feel some air coming in the room. Actually, in the car. <laughs> I told you about our intramural game last week, I think. Yeah. We got the W last week. Yeah, what happened this week? So, not not so good. Oh. Not so good. We had six guys. That doesn't help. The wind was atrocious from from about three of them. Three of them had a real tough time. We're not going to name names here. Yeah, I, that's not what this is about. This is not about naming names. I'm happy that they even came <laughs> and did breathe hard up and down the court. Um, Down five at half, playing okay. Probably at about 10 points in the first half. Um, Kind of a little bit of everything kind of happening. Second half, though, at like the 15-minute mark, I looked at my my teammate, Boston. I go, Boston, it's time to kick things into the next gear. We're going to – it's time to spank them. You know, it's the third quarter for the Warriors. Sure. You know how they – the Warriors like – they eye up that third quarter. Warriors, oh, let's, yeah. yeah. Warriors. Oh, yeah. And funny, right as I said that, the other team started raining threes. Oh, no. It was bad. We got 30-pieced. Oh, out of nowhere, huh? Yeah. I finished. Like, we were still getting up shots. But it just was so bad. Like, no one was playing any transition Good defense. Good Lord. Um, so that's that's kind of how my week went. And I don't like saying that. Sure. I take a lot of pride in my Absolutely. intramural basketball season. Um, 
through two games, you know, averaging about 15 points. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I haven't cracked 20 yet. Easing your way into this. Yeah, season. I need to. Once I crack 20, I got a week off here. Thanks yeah. to Thanksgiving break. Rest the knees. Get some shots up. Exactly. Let's just get back to the fundamentals. Get back into the backyard. Pops fixing the stroke. Oh, the doctor. Yeah. I got an appointment with the doctor all week <laughs> next week. Okay. I got an appointment with all with the doctor all next week. Well, you're talking about weeks. I mean, yesterday I went and bought my cap and gown. So that's where I'm at right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. A month out. To oh, the, oh to it's the, like that? To the day. Yeah, it's like that right now. <laughs> it's like that, boss. Oh, my day. God. Well, the good news for us, though, is that there is nothing to talk about regarding the NBA. Yeah, funny. Funny. I mean, where do you where do you want to start? You want to start with Jimmy Butler being traded this week? Do you want to start to the Warriors, Draymond, KD, debacle? Um, your Bucks are arguably the best team in the East. Is okay. the East the top four better than the West top four? Those, those conversations are going to come naturally here. Sure. As we I'm just giving I'm kay? just saying stuff. Right I want to start with a topic, okay? All right. And I'm so happy about this. A lot of people think when you're wrong that you're upset. Mm. I am so happy I'm wrong on this. Sure. I had a lot of doubts about Trey Young coming into the NBA, coming into the draft, all of it. I thought it was a little too small. I thought the physicality of the NBA he was going to get pushed off the ball a lot. Thought he was going to have a really tough time defending screens. And defending the point guard position. I mean, you're facing an all-star every night now. Physical monsters at the point guard position right now. And we're no longer seeing six-foot guys right. at the point guard position. Six three to six six, Or if you're Ben Simmons, six ten. I had doubts about Trey Young. As many people did. And he is proving me wrong, and I am all here for it. Yeah. Watching this guy take deep threes, you know, making some, missing others, but he's letting it fly either way. He's playing free hoop right now. And it, he does have the luxury of playing on a bad team. Yeah. It does help when, you know, you're not. You can not, work out the kinks a little bit. Yeah, for sure. you're not going possession for possession at the end of a game. Every bucket matters. Every turnover matters but even more. But they're still competing with teams. I mean, they brought L.A. down to the wire, and if it weren't for t- Chandler swatting his uh, That's right. floater away, he probably would have hit the game winner there. So he's definitely getting those reps in, and he's fun to watch. I think that's that's may, my main takeaway right now is that he's definitely not struggling to the point where he's not fun to watch. He is fun to watch, and it's fun to watch him you know, as you said, spot up from 40 feet and draining the guy's faces because he can do that type of stuff. I love it. The fact that he's proving me wrong, I love it. He seems to have the right mindset about everything, too. He wants to prove people wrong. He has one more step in his NBA career. He's got to cut that hair, man. All that hair is so bad. What, just shave it? Just get rid of it, yeah. It's time. To what? It's just uh, just uh, anything. (laughs) You know, (laughs) just just cut the goddamn hair. It's ugly. You know, on Instagram stories where you see like NBA or even college kids, they're like, "Yo, I need a barber in LA. I need a barber in Orlando. Yo, we need a. There's a barber in the stadium in Atlanta." True. Just walk off the court and go get a haircut. I completely forgot about how have there not been more jokes made about that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Trey's got the worst haircut in the league. We got to go to Atlanta. They, yeah. They've got, really got that in-game entertainment. Figured it out. Down. Chick-fil-A, haircut, all of it. Yeah. And I think there's a bar courtside, too. Like, 
on the floor. They're also or maybe maybe it's the Falcons. I could be wrong. I thought it was the the Hawks. They're implementing the really cheap like candy, soda, I popcorn that, I concession. I think that's the Falcons started that, but I think it's gonna it's creeping expand. Because I remember Darren Rovell, the like business ESPN insider yeah. Yeah. for sports, said that they're doing. $2 candy, $3 hot dogs, and you just obviously don't see that at any professional level anywhere. But no. that's that would make me very happy as a fan. Absolutely, and it helps bring in people, you know, when when you buy so Hawks tickets are probably like 10-15 bucks for third level seating or so, which for a family of four that's great, you know. If you want to take the kids to the ball game, that's awesome and then you don't have to worry about concessions being another $100 onto your tab. It's what it should be, which is around $25. So we're talking hot dogs and burgers and, and candy and popcorn and things like that. So I would love to see more teams do that and a lot more owners commit to something like that to, to give back to the fans. Uh, you know, you see a lot of articles about why attendance is down across sports in general. Yeah. It's because the home experience has gotten a lot better and the, the experience at the game has – gotten just more expensive and a lot of people don't want to spend that sort of money when they can watch it on tv one of the best parts of sitting courtside mm -hmm. and nba game is the conversation watching the conversation but also get that for me personally i love sitting that close is to see just to grasp again the size the size and the, the speed, speed. The i get that i get that you don't you don't you understand it on, t on yes. tv and but when you're at the game, you don't see it. When you sit courtside, it's a though, different animal. to hear the banter that goes on during a free throw, <laughs> right? A little play like a free throw. Remarkably entertaining. Really, really funny stuff. And now that the home experience, they're micing guys up. Yeah. You're getting inside the huddle. Sure. You get, um, zo, 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 back street, back street. You know, you get all these mic'd up moments. That you would hear in a gym. That you would hear if you were in a really expensive seat at the game. But now that the home experience is just so impressive, right? it's hard to justify at times spending hundreds of dollars for a really good seat in an NBA game. Right. I mean, I would have loved to sat right next to the Warriors bench a couple of nights ago. Yeah. After you know what? That's a fantastic segue. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the Warriors. Because everyone is right now. I'm, I don't know where to start with this because I don't think it's a big deal whatsoever. I think stuff like this happens a lot through the course of an NBA season. Steve Kerr came out, I think, last night and said that, yeah, this, K, this KD Draymond stuff kind of affected our preparation before to, play in Houston. Yeah. And I think it's going to linger over maybe for a week just in their style or just the way they're playing right now. I also think that Steph Curry just being out. <laughs> Hinders yeah, their let's point to maybe the two-time MVP, maybe the MVP right now, NBA champion being out for an injury that might have something to do with it too. With their poor play, um, I find it hilarious. The more I keep reading, that Draymond just completely lost it when KD was basically asking for the ball. Yeah, you know that's that's where this all started. Was KD yeah. being like, "Yo, I'm the greatest scorer, maybe of my generation, maybe of all time, maybe of all time. I can do it at all three levels. There's five seconds left. Get me the ball, and I'm gonna probably rain it from the spot I've hit the last two finals, clinching shots at. <laughs> right, maybe I can do that. Like Katie has a point here, and and now it, obviously Draymond got all personal 
I've, I mean, I've read a lot of stuff on yeah. like, just everybody's backstories that, that covers the Warriors and all the national media and then also the local attention as well and the different stories that are flying up for this. This is not a big deal. This happens between two extremely passionate guys. I think Katie's impending free agency definitely is affecting this team a little bit. I agree. But well, it's not necessarily just KD's impending free. Agency. It's everybody's future. Exactly. Who's going to get paid? But who's who are the Warriors going to commit? Yes. To? You know the the things the Warriors are doing right now are kind of funny. Sending KD to the uh, ground zero, if you will, of their new stadium in San Francisco. You know, let's let's put him in a construction. Sell him suit about the future. And like, let's see, like you know, that'd be a bad look on KD's part to go to a construction site, see the arena be built, and then dip. You know, the Warriors are doing smart stuff like that. Um, they're, they're, the Warriors are desperate to, to sign KD because they know they, they have a, a stronghold on the West for the next five years if KD commits long-term. Regardless but, of Draymond staying or Clay staying, you have Curry and you have Durant, you're going to have a chance at a title every year. True. I think that of the three, and it looks, you know, it looks like Curry will stay you know, probably for the rest of his career. Curry's going to be one of those. He'll be the lifelongers. Yeah. Probably. You know, if he goes to Charlotte, has I'll to understand I, I that. I feel like he has to. That's no, I don't, only... even, don't go to Charlotte. That's where he's from. I, I know he's the... where he's from. Don't go. He's not going to go to Charlotte. No way. Okay. I, I, I'm just spitting, spitting out I know an you idea are. That... And I'm, I'm knocking it down right away. I think Curry wants to be that lifelong guy. I And I hope he is, in all honesty. Actually, funny. The, uh, Steph's rookie year. There was another point guard who was, you know, expected to do big things. Mm. And they actually faced off against each other in their rookie years. It was in Milwaukee, and it was Brandon Jennings. Yep. And Brandon Jennings dropped 55 on the Golden State Warriors. That double nickel. In his rookie year. Could you imagine if a rookie dropped 55 this year? Mm. I mean... Mm. The headlines, the madness, the chaos. But this happened in 2008. I know. Different and, line, or 2009. And at the time, I was still good buddies with Sleater, mm -hmm. and he was just a Steph Curry nut hugger, sure. you know, the whole way. Yeah. I'm like, yo, Brandon <laughs> Jennings. Nut hugger. Brandon, <laughs> Brandon <laughs> you like that? Yo, Brandon Jennings is better than Steph Curry. Oh, oh I was saying, oh, of course I was. I was talking all that trash. As you should. That was all like, of it. Brandon Jennings was the savior of the Milwaukee Bucks at one point for in time. What, for a period of time, that was the case. Speaking of the Bucks, wow, 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 wow. Coach Buds, he's got some going up in in Milwaukee. The right dude now. can coach. It's not like he hasn't had a track record of having any success. I mean, he's had more success with less, and now he's got a arguably lot less. The, the most talented player. Since, I don't know. You don't need to name a name. No. But you can say the most talented player since dot, dot, dot. Maybe the most talented player just right now. Yeah. In terms of what he's doing on the offensive end, the defensive end, the load he's carrying each night. I know you saw it. He had a move last week. He's coming up the middle of the floor. Mm -hmm. Against Denver? Yep. Yeah. He goes in, out, dribble at the free throw line. Already remarkably difficult to stop. Right. And then he came back with a crossover. And I never really – I've watched a lot of Giannis. I've watched a lot of Bucks basketball. Sure. That was a double move. Giannis very rarely uses double moves. Mm -hmm. You know, Usually he can get away with just going Euro step and just get close Being to the rim. bigger, longer, Yes, taller, exactly. Yeah. He usually can make one 
decent move and get to the rim. Well, now that you know he's being honed in on every night, he's getting double teamed, triple teamed at times even. Sure. This double move came out of nowhere. I was so impressed. The dunk was crazy because he took off from the and shouldn't have fucking done. free yeah. throw line. People or put that off the glass and lay it in. He yeah. literally flushed it. He makes it. Face. He makes it look easy as a lefty dunk at the rim. He's changing, dude. He's changing. Certainly evolving, and he's going to the right people in the offseason to, to learn from. Yeah, he seems to be doing this career the right way. For a guy who was completely unknown when he was drafted. He's following the step-by-step manual, the instruction guide of how everyone else has done it before him, and then you just add on that same work ethic of the greats right. to a seven-foot body right now. And to his credit, you know, he's in year three of the contract, and I think a year ago, Watch came out with a report that teams are already eyeing Giannis as free agency. And why wouldn't you with that talent? But to his credit, he's committed everything, all his time, all his focus to Milwaukee, and it's it's showing. You know, uh, they make the coaching change to Budenholzer, and he pretty much opened up the offense, opened up everything. You know, teams would just pack the paint against Milwaukee. Okay, so you ready for the statistic yeah. that you're talking about? Yeah. So it's called the Mori assist, the Daryl Mori assist. Yeah, I know you talk. What are you talking about? And uh, for the people listening, it is an assist to an to a player that makes the assist. Uh, no, you talking about that the finishes okay. with either a dunk or an open three. Okay, that is the Mori assist. Right? That is the Mori assist. I was thinking of the hockey assist, and it is it is the very modern day futuristic analytical um data assist of ne- the, of today's NBA the assist that gets the highest percentage of shots the one that's a 3 or the one that's at the rim it's essentially a dunk or a very easy layup of the top 5 players in percentage of assists that are more assists so of all the assists that players are recorded yeah 3 bucks have over 90% mm-hmm. of their assists as Mori assists. So of all the assists that Eric Bledsoe has dished out this year, 95 of those assists have ended either in a three-pointer or, or a layup or a dunk at the rim. It's completely contributed to their success. I mean, it, they're, the way they play completely reminds me of the 2015 Hawks. Oh, it's so they, similar. I mean, what what you're talking about is basically guys making the extra pass, guys not forcing shots, guys playing within the offense, not doing too much, just taking what the defense gives them. And Boonholder's offense has always been, you know, revered. He came from the 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 palm tree. Yep. And so he's completely opened up the floor for Giannis. Teams that want to pack the paint, Giannis can dish it back out, and he's got three. You know, he's got guys who can make threes all around him now, and they're making those threes. They are, and it's incurred. I mean, you want to talk about someone making threes? Brooke Lopez. Oh sure. my yeah. God! Hit, hit, raining it from a different area code against uh, who was it that they they played? That you put up like thirty three. Uh, Denver. Yeah, I think it was Denver. Yeah, he had eight threes against Denver, and he had six against the Clippers the night before. I believe in his first six years, I don't think he had a single game where he had more than one three mm. of his career. Just. Getting guys outside their comfort zone, and I mean, Brooke Roca- Lopez can can shoot it. He can fill it up a little bit. The something that I didn't notice, I guess, prior to this year, is his seven foot stature 
and high release point, that advantage at the three-point line. Oh, it's massive. I never really – I knew it was a disadvantage for smaller people. Mm-hmm. Hard to get shots up. I didn't realize how easy it would be for Brooke Lopez to get clean looks at the rim. Yeah. Because he's seven foot Guys with a high release. Guys who seven feet and going to hit threes are so sought after. Absolutely. And, I mean, I'm not saying this just because they were my boys too, but they they the way the season arc is going for the Bucks, they really do remind me of the 2011 Bulls. A team the year before that snuck into the playoffs as an eight seed, got beat by a, a better one seed. Obviously, the Bucks took the Celtics seven games. Yeah. But the Celtics yeah. were uh, shorthanded at the time. And then they come back, make a few offseason changes, new coach, new system, uh, similar roster, made a few changes, nothing crazy, and just kind of unleashed this team. You know, the Bulls in 2011, they signed Tibbs, they bring in Boozer, and they their MVP guy starts playing like an MVP. Now, not to say that Giannis didn't play like an MVP last year, absolutely did, but he is <laughs> he's up the ante this year. This is tenfold. different. This he's, is different. You can tell it's a different team, and they, they are – they are making the East a better conference because of their the, how good they are. So it's in my notes, and I'll make one more point before we go into this conversation about East and West. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Giannis played like an MVP last year. A very quality season, as good as it gets. It's really, individually awesome. This year, we said, "Man, it's going to be really hard to win an MVP." Without finishing one, two, or three in your conference. Without dominating headlines and without winning. You can't win the MVP in the NBA. And funny enough, you know, it's only three weeks into the season. Four weeks. About a month. About a month into the season. Well, they're winning games. Handily. The highlight plays are still there. The numbers are still there. The numbers are still there. His rebounding has been insane. All of a sudden, it's check, check, check. Oh, my God. God, is this the year? Is this the year that Giannis does it? Yeah, I'm trying to stay so calm right now. You really, you really are keeping your composure. I'm as keeping much as my possible. cool. This is so <laughs> hard for me, bro. This is so hard for me. The rebounding's crazy. Um, you know, the assists. Giannis was one of the top five players in that percentage of Mori assists statistic, as was Chris Middleton. Middleton's the man, by the way bucket getter he's oh. someone's gonna pay him in free agency yeah he will he'll get paid eventually he'll get paid he'll get one more contract he's kind of towards the back end 26, a little bit 27 how old's Middleton? i would say 27 28 to be honest so maybe gonna give him a four-year deal now kind of yeah, and that career. i think yeah. will be the end of it so let's talk about the east and the west here okay because all i heard the last two years was... Two. Try ten. Three, ten, whatever. Three, ten. All I hear. Oh, the West is so much better than the East. We need to change the NBA's conference structure. Everyone doesn't want to play LeBron in the East. Get rid of divisions. Wait. Wait. Oh. Oh, the, the 76ers got Jimmy Butler? Oh. The Raptors oh. got Kawhi? Oh, the the Celtics are healthy. The Bucks are the surprise team of the NBA. Oh. I'm counting what five? Oh. Is that five teams, Bo, or four? I think uh, that's four as of now. Yeah. Oh, you're forgetting a team called Indiana. Oh yeah. Oh, they took they took LeBron to seven last year, right? Yeah, they came about seven points away from knocking off LeBron. Huh. They got Tyreek Evans off the bench now. 
All right, well, maybe, maybe we're maybe we're looking at it wrong. Let's look at the West. You know, the Warriors, oh, they're still really good. They've had a little feud this week. Yeah. Oh, the Rockets, I mean, they're still going to get a ton of buckets, they're the right? Rockets. I mean, come yeah. on, it's the Rockets. Yeah. They got a great offense. You got Chris Paul, James Harden. Slow start. Oh, it's a little bit slow. They're not hitting as many threes. Do they miss Trevor Ariza? Yeah. but A lot. OKC. Westbrook hasn't played a lot this year. Slow start. So, for guys who've been hearing for the last couple years, but really the last decade, that the West is so much better than the East, now I'm not so sure. Yeah. Now I'm starting to think that the top four dogs in the East are just as good as the top four dogs in the West right now. I would absolutely agree. I don't think on any given day anyone can beat the Warriors just yet. Not I'm I agree. But I we both said at the beginning of the year it's not set in stone with the Warriors because they can still and, hurt themselves. They and, can they can still beat themselves. And both uh, meanings of the word hurt. An injury could happen. Feuds yep. occur. What if Kerr and I? I love Kerr. I hope this never happens. Uh, what if his back acts up? Sure. And he goes out for a month. They've been doing this for four years now, playing into June for four years. The media circus following them for four years. That's my entire college career from 2014 to 2018. It has been Warriors, Warriors, Warriors. And do they deserve it? Absolutely. But that catches up with you over time. There's there's a reason why winning three straight is so damn difficult. That's why the Heat couldn't do it. You run into teams that are hungrier, teams that want it just a little bit more. Let's not forget the importance of style, matchup. Every, every NBA game, you have talented players on both sides. Obviously, in some situations, there are clearly more talented rosters. But there are occasions where a bad team can compete with a much better team because of the style of play. And I'm going to use the Bucks as an example. Okay. The Bucks have been nowhere near where nowhere near as talented as the Warriors for the last five years. Nowhere near. Now you could not even make the argument. But for some reason, in the last three to four years, Every time those two teams play, it's a fucking battle. Match up really well. The matchups matter a lot. And the Warriors got smoked at home. Smoked at home, but you don't see this often, if at all, in the past four years. Smoked at home by your Milwaukee Bucks. It. I don't know if it's happened. I mean, we've been watching basketball as long as possible at our age sure i don't remember a team as dominant as the warriors lose as badly as they did to the bucks at home the the score didn't do it even justice they won by like what 20 and it was it a 30 like, piece at like times. 40 oh absolutely i mean length shooting size is the way to beat the warriors you have three-point shooting, okay, if you can hang with them on a yeah. decent level when it comes to three, if you can trade three for three because you know they can go on those spurts, they can get 12 quicker than anybody yep, in NBA yep, history. Yep. Length. They're a very lengthy team with Durant, Draymond. Clay's a good defender as well. Can you match up with their length? Well, the Bucks yes. have been the, lo- lo- the longest in team terms of Team for league. the last five years. 
their front office has done an incredible job finding guys that fit in. And then do you have do you have the height? Do you have the, the guys, the big guys down low? Look at the guys who, who kill the Warriors in years past. AD in that one playoff series was just destroying them. Tristan Thompson was a uh, vital piece to the to Cavs beating Even the Warriors. Even being able, and really, although uh, cre- giving credit to where credit is due, Tristan Thompson's having a very good year. Yeah. But really, he doesn't shine necessarily in every game. He's, right. he's very a matchup mismatch. Yeah. Put Giannis at the five when you when you're the Warriors. That's gonna create difficulty a war- lot until of problems. I think Boogie's gonna kind of come back and kind of keep this team at bay whenever he does come back because then you can kind of be like, well, you know, Durant, you can have the night off. Curry, that knee's still bothering you a little bit. Sit for the next few games. We got Boogie and Draymond and Clay. So correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if Boogie's gonna be able to play a full game this year. You mean like 35 minutes? Yeah. Going all I don't know if we're going to be able to see 35 Who from knows? Boogie. Who knows? He may come back before the All-Star break. You know, it's around the same time that he tore his Achilles. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see whatever he does do. I'm really curious about the role that they use him in. It, that will be interesting. But just having his presence on the court. Like right now in the locker room, he's being a peacemaker, apparently. Which is just absurd. Can the enforcer. You imagine, yeah. Uh, can you imagine Boogie not being the issue right now? <laughs> what were the odds on on yeah. KD and Draymond feuding before anybody else and Boogie? You know, you know what's super interesting. My last point about the Warriors because I want to go to. I do too. Out. I do too. Yeah. Um, something that I read that was very telling about their culture. Now, first of all, I don't. The reason going way back to my prior point that they're going to be fine. Their head coach got punched by Michael Jordan and won three championships. Oh yeah. Steve Kerr has a deal with yeah. the situation. They'll be fine. But. Actually, he, there might not be a better man suited, suited yeah. for this job than, the guy who than got Steve Kerr. <laughs> they got socked in practice <laughs> yeah. by Michael Jordan. There's a, so many— I, I'm sorry. He said he kicked Jordan's ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so there are so many personalities and so much veteran leadership in that locker room. Guys like Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, guys who have won a lot of championships. And probably the, the most key piece this season to the Warriors' success— is Clay Thompson. He's been the most oh consistent my God. on both ends of the floor. And in that feud, um, this is a quote from, uh, where is it at? From The Athletic, uh, Marcus Thompson, who's covered the Warriors from the We Believe Warriors to now. So he's been there forever. Uh, there was a feud. The feud was going on between Draymond and KD after the game in the locker room. And Clay, who doesn't speak up a ton, who rarely has anything of value ever, to, ever. to say to a, a room of people. Talk about let Mr. A, Professional on the mic. Let, he yeah, doesn't say anything. Let alone guys who have won a bunch of championships. Clay steps up. The room hushes. Silence. When Clay speaks, you got to listen because he doesn't say a lot. All he says, this is all Clay, Clay says. He goes, we all want to win. This is all this is about. Doesn't Nothing else matters. All we want to do is everyone here just wants to win. They want to win our third championship. We just want to win. Nobody else can beat us besides ourselves. Let's kick ass. That's all he said. And he's, and as the, as uh, Marcus Thompson concludes, he goes, if Clay can get those guys to buy back into that, which it seems like they have, Boogie, or excuse me, Katie and Draymond seem to be amending their relationship a little bit. His personality as the third guy, who, who should be a number one on seven teams. Or, or a elite number two on a great team. He's right? completely content with 
being the number three guy and being able to put up as many points as he wants whenever he wants. But his personality inside that locker room to kind of be the guy that's like, this is a little hectic. Mm-hmm. Let's just all chill out. Yeah, yeah. We're the best team in NBA history, talent-wise. This will be in the past like a ponytail. Exactly. That's a, be, that's a damn good quote from, from Clay Thompson. They're, they're going to be they're gonna be totally fine. Uh, surprising teams that you've been watching? Already got one right here that I wanted to – I mean, the Clippers right now Ooh. are so good. Fun little team, huh? Oh, my God. I had no idea where this came from, but they just beat the Bucks and they beat the Warriors in a span of about four days. Mm. You tell me how impressive that is. So I'm looking at Doc's best coaching job by far. I don't care if you want to go back to 2008 Celtics. That team was loaded. I think getting rid of Austin Rivers was a really good place to start. (laughs) Okay, so I'm looking at some of the team statistics because I was curious. You're getting 19 points a game from Danilo Gallinari. The fact that he's still on the floor, like healthy, is a plus for that team. Montrezl Harrell saw him live last year. His energy Beast. is so infectious. Beast. It goes. Everyone else can feel it. How do you How do you let that guy fall in the I draft? Because in you college, not, it's in college, a Joakim Noah motor. Because in college, it was like, oh, that guy affects games. You know, he maybe not be showing up in the stat sheet like you want from a guy you're about to draft. But it's the tip outs. It's a minor deflection. It's the, here it, or all there. you gotta do is watch the game to know he makes an impact. It's crazy how some of these guys fall through the cracks in drafts. Other, others, you know, people standing out. Here's one for Only you. Only one player has more is averaging more than 20 for the Clippers right now. Tobias? It is Tobias Harris. He's a bucket. Okay, but if you had asked me, I would have said Lou Williams, who is 19 and a half. And Another bucket. Lou, you know, sweet Lou, sweet dancing Lou's going to be getting. They have so many guys who are so good at doing a certain thing and doing it well. They have three legitimate scores. Any night, they can score 30. Danilo has shown in the past he can do something like that. Tobias will always get you 20. Lou Williams could get you 50 in a blink. My favorite player on that team is Shea Gilgis. And I I was waiting because I knew you wanted to talk about him. He's so long and athletic, and, oh, he gives me, like, Penny Hardaway T-Mac vibes. Shy Gilgis Alexander. Is that how you say it? No, I don't. I'm asking oh, okay. you. Okay. I don't. I was Shea. more. I, I, I Shea. call him Shea. Shea Gilgis. Probably him. the white person way of saying it. it's probably shy, but um, he's averaging ten points a game right now. I, I'm not even concerned about the numbers with him. He the way he plays, he can get to his spots. I he's, like the numbers from him. He's got a super smooth mid range game. Which ten you know three I and like. three as a rookie. I don't even think he starts. I mean, they got himself a player. Ten three and three as a rookie. Oh my god! As a point guard, still learning. He's 19 years old. I really like him. My one of my favorite teams to watch right now. Yeah, they're which, just out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Which, to be honest with you, they've been a, atrocious for 20 years. Is the Kings? Oh, the Kings are fun again. Oh my god! Well, you, you know, it's funny. You know, for the longest time, I didn't think getting the first overall pick for 15 years straight was mm-hmm. going to benefit them, but. Yeah. You know, they hit year 16 of getting the, the number one overall pick. Yeah, and they ev- get number eventually two. eventually worked. They get number two, and, you know, maybe they still did mess up that they didn't take Luka Doncic, which I don't know why he'd even go first. Yeah, besides, yeah, well, we'll t- <laughs> later later discussion, different podcast. But De'Aaron Fox, legitimate playmaker that they desperately need. Stud. Both sides of the ball. And comfort. Yeah. I think a lot of times in your rookie year, um, you're reacting. Sure. To the game, it's slowing down. For he is now being proactive mm-hmm. 
and controlling what other people react to. Which is one of the more important qualities to have as a point guard, especially in a young team. Their little front court of Bagley and Guile or Harry Giles, who who was hurt all last year, who's you know finally back and healthy and kind of playing up to his potential that he had back in high school. That's a fun little young front court right there. They're they not, play- not playing a ton of defense, but they're playing hard. They played the Bucks last week, and the Bucks played really well, mm-hmm. really, really well. And it just kind of you know the Kings aren't at that level Nowhere yet. Nowhere they'll be a lottery team again, but they're not going to be the worst team in the NBA. Remarkably entertaining. And from a um, X's and O's standpoint, it's really interesting how they're getting it done. Mm. Every time that there is a miss or a make, the Kings sprint to the offensive end. Running in transition. They fucking fly in transition. Deion Fox grabs the ball and goes. go, go, go. Yeah. It's not as much fast break, but they go, 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 go. If there's a one-on-one move that they can get by and score, they do it. They put teams in a tough position because they play so frantically. Yep. Even sometimes they don't know how quick they're going because yep. they're such a young team, but that's okay. But the defense can't match Coach up Coach Malone's it. totally fine it's with it. It's too fast. Yeah. The defenses don't have time. Is it Malone to... or Yoger? It's yogurt, isn't it? I think it is yogurt. It is yogurt. And remember, let's not forget, though, the mastermind behind it all. Yeah. Vlade Divac. Oh, eh? my God. Don't forget the mastermind. Vlade. Oh, Dr. Evil. Okay. <laughs> Come on now. Who they else? They still have Milos on the squad. Oh, my God. I really like this team. I see the Clippers a lot, almost once a year. Oh, okay. Still yeah, this Clippers is my. Yeah, for sure. I get to see them a lot, a lot every year. How about the Nuggets, huh? I mean, we 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 were talking. We were about talking it top the four. They look like they're top four in the West. We were talking about it before the season. Bucks just finished up a road trip of Portland, Golden State, Clippers, the ringer Denver. of the West. Oh God, those are probably five, three, <laughs> seven, and two. I mean, to walk out of that seeds road trip two and two, I'm thrilled. <laughs> Got to be happy. Thrilled. Oh, that is just murderer's row of powerhouses right now. Tough game tonight, though. Uh, yeah, it's real. <laughs> yeah, well, I get the dub. I don't care. Moving on. <laughs> I'm I'm not awfully concerned Bulls about. Bulls plus 14 taken. Now nah, they're going to lose. They're going to get smoked. 14's a lot, though. 14's a lot at uh, away. Or, no, the Bucks are at home. National televised game. Uh, I might take Bucks with four. Bulls, <laughs> the Bulls are going to get smoked. Yeah. Yeah, and then it, they they play Toronto tomorrow night at the UC. I think at some point, and it on. hasn't happened yet. At some point, Giannis is gonna start finding little kids to bully on the playground. I mean, and pick your poison tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, when I say the playground, I meant teams in the NBA, where no sure. matter what, every time one of them over the course of his career has been the Wizards. Uh-huh. There's not a single soul on the Wizards that can guard Giannis. There's not a single soul on the Wizards that can guard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, bro! John Wall does not care for defense anymore. Bradley Beal has taken a big step back compared to last year. When so there were those rumors of Bradley Beal to L.A. I was yeah, just curious. I, I mean, that's a good little trade. I don't think that's the contract you're looking for. Won't happen anymore, but when the Lakers win four in a row, they're not going to touch anything. I, the, the Lakers, you know, LeBron coming out and being like, man, 
I gotta be patient. I almost cracked two yeah. days ago. Like LeBron, it's December. Yeah, it's Dude. not even December. It's November. Hey, you know what? Though? Relax. Okay, you're here for four years. To be fair, to be fair, if two weeks into a season, Michael Jordan's team was underperforming, and he knew that he had young guys around him, do you think he would have said, "Oh no, let, you know, let's stay patient"? So you know what he would have said? No, we're playing like fucking garbage yeah. right now, and people would have loved it. But because LeBron says that he almost cracked, that's what makes these people so good, is that they can't stand losing for a day, for a week. Any sport. In any sport. Do you think Ronaldo, if Ronaldo you know, had a slow start with Juventus, sure. well, he was going to be like, oh, no, let's stay patient. Aaron Rodgers is pissed right now. Yeah, they're fucking livid. <laughs> That's what makes these play- people so good. Yeah. Is that they don't want to lose a single game. You're right. You're so right. the fact that LeBron said, oh, my God, I've almost cracked. I'm like, shit, you rookies better wake the fuck up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's time to play. You got no more time. There's no more. You had your spring train or your training camp. You had your off season. You've had your two weeks. Now you to had adjust. your full year last year without me. Okay. It's time to play. I. That's something that every great athlete has that tick in their mind okay. that if you're not playing well, that's what got these people there in the beginning. Absolutely. So I understand why people are like, oh, LeBron's talking about it's cracked. It is early, but you got to build these uh, habits early. Sure. I, okay. I mean, I, Rondo being hurt opens up a lot of time for Lonzo. Well, yeah. Th- We've watched our fair share of Lakers games together. And I they, know. They're not, they're not doing anything in dominant fashion yet. No. A lot of it is kind of LeBron you – know, improvising on the spot with some things. Yeah. It really looks like the only guy he trusts on the court majority of the time is Kyle Kuzma. I'm glad you said his name because that's who it, I mean, who it is. And he's by far their, their second best option. Um, I, Brandon Ingram, man, is, is not cutting it for me. Yeah, I, I know. I Okay, so I agree. In my opinion, I like Kuz way more than Ingram, man. It's really the deep threat is the difference between the two. I just like Kuzma's attitude more. I think yeah. it's not like Brandon Ingram doesn't look like he doesn't care. It's just very nonchalant. Uh, come on, he's a number two overall pick. He's a blue, you know. He's a blue blood. Like, you know, some of those guys walking in the NBA feeling a little better. Dude, Kuz is right on that fucker's tail. Yeah, he is on his I tail. Th- in my opinion, he's past him. Yeah, Kuzma. I think. I don't know. I think it might have been like 40 games in last year. I was like, Kuzma's like probably the best of their, the crop right now. You know, Lonzo's definitely got the most upside. And Not even – I don't even compare Lonzo with Kuz and Ingram. You know, Kuz and Ingram are bucket – or supposed to be bucket getters. Right. I, I To Ingram's uh, – to get in his corner a little bit, I will say that we really – when I say we, I, I mean like NBA, Twitter. He gets criticized. He gets criticized, but the, the player comp was Kevin Durant out of college just because he was this super lengthy guy who could fill it That's up a so little unfair. bit. That's so unfair. Super unfair. And he's had his moments. I'm not saying he hasn't had his moments, but you're looking for consistency in year three. You know, rookie year is kind of, let's just see what we got here. Oh, there's talent? Absolutely. Year two, all about building off that talent. You know, filling in the gaps where your game needs work. Year three is is putting it together each night. You know, can you be competing at a high level every night? Because that's what greatness is. Competing at a high level night after night, year after year, decade after decade. That's what sustainable greatness is. 
for Brandon Ingram right now, what LeBron needs is a guy he can give him the ball and LeBron can rest for a second because he does so much offensively. He does a lot, a lot, a lot. And Although, it, helps the, it helps the Lakers lineups-wise. It helps Luke Walton. I like can put Ingram in there with a bunch of bench players, and Ingram's going to keep us afloat offensively. Buckets. At least just hold us there he, offensively. You can't really do that with him right now. No. no you can't, can't trust him all. to do that. And the, the benefit of having Rondo was that when Ball, LeBron, and Kuz went to the bench, oh, at least you if you gave Rondo a long body to score, you know, Rondo's going to find sure. him buckets. Rondo being out now is tough because Ball will have to sit minutes. I mean, it has to happen. Mm. And so now Ingram has to go get his own buckets and not be set up buckets. Yeah. It can get really hard when you have to go one-on-one every night, every Absolutely. possession, and the team's looking at you, yo, we need a bucket, we need a bucket. Mm-hmm. That's a really tough role to be in, man. I don't think they'll trade him. I don't think they should worry about trading him. I think he's more valuable to keep letting him grow. He is, what, 23, 22? Yeah. He's not even 23 yet. I think he's 22. Uh, so, I mean, he's got a long career ahead of him. But he just like to see these types of things uh, going uh, being in year three. The Raptors look like the best oh, team in the I'm NBA. Oh, I'm sorry. God, we're so wrong. He's 21. Oh, so he's just started drinking legally. He is 21 years old. Check back he in. He turned 21 in September. Check back in with me when he's 25. So in four years, we'll see where Brandon Ingram Brandon is. Brandon Ingram. I have my doubts, though. Is three months older than I am. He's been in the league for three years. So I'm going to I'm gonna remain patient with the guy because 21 years old is awfully young. I want every person listening to think about the things that they did when they were 21 and say, oh, you know what? Maybe we should give Brandon Ingram a little bit more time. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe just give him a little bit more time. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, Uncle Luke? Um, Process update, 28-13 and two bucks a game. <laughs> yeah, he's the man. He is He is the man. Um, You don't have to comment on it. I was just giving you shit for him still. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I mean, he's got to stop acting like a kid, honestly. You don't like that he talks trash every night? I can handle trash, but he's talking trash like a kid. Do you not like when guys take it to social media to talk trash? I think that's a little silly. I think that's like the best thing to do. I think it's a little silly. I I like the stories of Jordan counting down in Reggie Miller's ear mm-hmm. back from 45. Hits his first bucket, 43. Mm-hmm. Next bucket. Things that stay within 41. the stay within the, in the game. Yeah. Yeah, no one needs to know about like you can speculate like, dude, I don't think I don't think Reggie Miller and Jordan like each other. Dude, like I saw him kind of talking back and forth. It didn't look like and obviously that's You like just, the unknown. I like when guys get in each other's faces, especially on social media, because it brings out the most insecure part of players. You get to see who really like is not so sure of themselves. If yeah. if Embiid's gonna post an Instagram of him dunking on Whiteside and Whiteside's getting all petty in the press conference afterwards, I mean, he's you. I I totally understand the whole childish aspect. Yeah, 
but it's not like he's not performing. And, oh and no, I did not even he's been hint at that. Which is crazy because last year everything was about Ben Simmons. Oh my God, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, this, and now he got Butler in the mix, and then Ben Simmons got to find a new role, and then the Mark. Cole okay, story. so let me seriously ask you: You have way more experience with with Jimmy Butler than I do. Sure. I mean, is there a scenario where Embiid and Butler clash? Clash. There's definitely a, a scenario. Because um, I'm just looking at the last two, and I like Jimmy G. I liked him from his Marquette days. Uh, I liked him as that dog for the first five years of his career where no one knew who he was, and all of a sudden he had to grow. So my opinion, let, let me just go off on Jimmy Butler here for a second because there's been a lot to be said about his past year, basically. Uh, my overall experience with Jimmy Butler has been nothing but Incredible. Awesome. A beautiful relationship that ended not sourly, but just not the way I want it to end. Here's a guy who's drafted 30th overall, the whole backstory, homeless at 13, worked every little bit to get where he is today. And he's one of the few guys that didn't come into the league with a, you know, people owe me something sort of attitude. You know, he worked for everything he's gotten. That's where he is today. That's why I have no problem with him being this outspoken guy that's kind of demanding trades and whatnot. It obviously didn't work in Minnesota. There was certain disconnect between him and Wiggins, or him, Wiggins, and Cat, to where now Wiggins and Cat look like they've been freed from jail the way they've been playing recently. I don't, like, Jimmy Butler's, I think he's he's a little thankful that he got to the 76. Okay, I'm on a, a playoff team now. I'm on a team that can to really can compete for and the Eastern Conference title, and maybe go to a championship soon. I think he's going to be committed long-term there. I think he's a good spot for him. How tall is Jimmy Butler? 6'7". Okay. So he'll guard Giannis? Oh, he'll take whatever wing guy. Okay. Just Why did I just— From a, from a competitive standpoint. It was a 7 standpoint. foot versus 6'7". It question. doesn't matter if it's a okay. guard. Whoever your best player is, Jimmy Butler is going to guard him. Okay. And so I, I did I, my last year with Jimmy was like, kind of the beginning of like that prima donna superstar phase telling fred coaches harder after five years with thibodeau coach well, fred yeah. wire and he, he did it in the press not supposed to do that yeah i think the bulls may have and then the, the whole rondo feud whatever with wade and all these you know rumors is mark Wahlberg getting in his head too much oh yeah yeah mentality. i've heard that nah it's just jimmy butler believing in himself a ton i don't if he's gonna clash with Embiid, i think it's gonna be like a big brother uh, you know like okay i think it, you know, is Embiid going to be like, I'm the big brother. This is my. I, I don't think Jimmy's coming to the Sixers and be like, this is my team. Well, his contract's up after this year, right? Right. I do think, okay. I think he went, they, they went there in mind that he would probably resign. Okay. Um, I think that's a great fit in Philly. They need a wing. Okay. They, they, they really just need a guy like Embiid can, can get you 30 and 15 nightly, but it's tough to give it to a seven. What's Jim, guy. what's Jimmy's shoot from three point land? Out of curiosity. Is that <sighs> a concern wise, for no, not necessarily. the 76ers? He's one of those guys that won't pour it in consistently from deep, but he'll be consistent enough that you have to get out there and guard him. He'll hit an open three, absolutely, which is what they need as well. If you're Philadelphia, you're way more concerned about Mark Fultz and his development at the moment. Oh, oh, I mean, I, I, no. There's no concern. There's no worry. It's done. <laughs> it's it's finite. Fiend, done. Dunzo, long gone, end of story. Bo Templin right here Bro, right you can't. Bust. Look at the fucking shot. Mm -hmm. you, you, I, there's no, there's nothing. Okay, sure. You can't be pump faking free throws. No. 
and not be Shaquille O'Neal or Wilt Chamberlain. If he was a big, you can maybe look by it. This is atrocious. It's not in his head. It's in his soul. This is... Oh, and... Okay. Just tying this back together. We had uh, Daniel Schmidt from Uh the Talking Schmidt podcast on. Yeah. This summer, he had Drew Hanlon on his show. Yeah. Who is the trainer for Embiid, Tatum, and like part of the 76ers. Half the NBA. Half the NBA. Marco Fultz being one of them. Mm. That is no longer... The case. No longer a relationship. With Markel Fultz. Interesting. That tells me a lot. Do you think it's he doesn't want to learn or is it he's just not? He's probably frustrated. Realistically, it was probably a shoot around. He was having Fultz was having a terrible day. He had a terrible night before. They got to the shoot around tomorrow morning Uh with Drew Hanlon and it was going awfully. Hanlon's like, Fultz, what the fuck is up? And just one of those questions. Total speculation here. Total. Oh, I'm making this up completely yeah, yeah, in yeah. my head. And Fultz goes, I don't fucking know. I once knew how to shoot. I don't anymore. You're not helping me. I'm leaving. And that was it. That, seriously, that could have been it. And they, don't, they haven't talked since. It's really sad because he was the unanimous number one guy coming out of college. I didn't think so, but a lot of people did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, nine, I would eighty-five percent. You can go back eighty percent. It, it, it's it I, okay, unanimous, maybe a little much, but eighty percent those high, you know, and that's a combo guard that can shoot, get to the basket. It's very James Harden-esque in college. Like yeah. that was his comp. Do you think that Brandon Ingram's slower start scared off people about Jason Tatum? No. Okay. I was just curious to the similarities, the long bodies. I think Jason Tatum's game was more polished in high school than it was. It was. Than Ingram was as a rookie. It was, 100%. If Kyrie leaves this year, it might be a blessing in disguise for Boston. I don't think Kyrie will leave, but I think it'd be a blessing in disguise. Go get yourself a guy who can get the ball to different players. Yeah, Kyrie, just go to New York. KD, just go to New York. If Boston, uh, who, who's a good player? If Fred Van Fleet went from Toronto yeah. in, the, in, in, all, in an offseason to Boston. Well, Rozier's been slow this year as well. Yeah. If you could have Roez and Terry Rozier. You're yeah, yeah, about Rozier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can get any Marcus Smart's your point card too, just get a guy who can get Tatum open looks or just easy buckets, get to his spots. That's all you need. I think Jason Tatum's going to be a top five player in the NBA at, at, at one point of his career. I think he's that good. If not top my da- three. My dad does too. I he, love Jason he Tatum. He thinks the world of Jason Tatum. He keeps telling me about some team from the 70s or 80s. And sure. A game six in 1972. And it's it's so nice when you when you have a guy whose game is just smooth. Oh, it's so, it's so smooth. smooth. And he's got superstar. He's got championship DNA. He's got superstar DNA. He's going to be a good one for listens Boston. Listens. To it's his like, coaches, yeah, and he's got perhaps the best coach in the world. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, I'm good to go, Uncle Luke. Oh yeah, I'm 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 good to go. That was beautiful. Bulls Bucks tonight. He's got a minus fourteen. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Any plans? Any big plans for break? Um, gonna go home, spend some time at the beach. When we release this, you'll be on the beach, probably. Yeah, I will week. be. I'll be listening on the beach. It'll be cold. Yeah, Chicago. I'll go surfing. I'll eat some good Mexican food. I'm going to get in and out multiple times. 
Keep rubbing it in my face. I know. I know. I'm going to two Bulls games. I'm excited about it. Okay. Over break. Yeah, tomorrow night against Toronto. So another beatdown I'll get to see. (laughs) Um, And then uh, Wade's on paternity leave. I'm kind of pissed if he doesn't show up next Friday. Um, I would guess that that might be the game he returns. One last dance. He's in his hometown in Chicago. We would give him a good reception if he shows up. Really nice. Um, maybe Lori comes back this week. Probably not. Who knows? Final thought. I just want to let you leave with the, uh, the Creed two album is out. Came out at midnight. I'm about to drive home. We'll listen to it. I'm very excited. I will be seeing that movie this week. You can believe that. And if you were, uh, thinking we were going to talk Zion and Duke on this podcast, it's coming. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll save it. We'll save it. Three games in. Yeah. All we have to say is quote. I'm in awe. I am in awe. All right, Uncle Luke. Literally, figuratively, metaphorically, take us home. Let's go home, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go home. Let's go home. Let's go home, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go home. Yeah.